0: This interview is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. In Practice is an independent publisher, and all opinions expressed by guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of In Practice.
1: Christoph, can you share some context to the strategy behind launching Made.com in Germany? When I came.
0: Join May.com to launch Germany, the company had earned its right to go into the biggest market in continental Europe. They had started obviously in the UK, they already were selling in France and Benelux as well as Italy. And Germany was always a bit considered a bit of a hairy monster big scary competitive hairy monster and there was also a clear hypothesis around having to be on the ground in order to be successful in the market. So I was not only the guinea pig for the German market but also the first presence in continental Europe with an office and Things went really well from beginning on, and we were able to replicate the trajectory that made had seen in other markets, and pretty much executed on the business, a three year business plan on the dot.
1: So before we discuss the strategy, how would you compare Germany as as a furniture market versus the UK
0: in terms of the market? You have to look at the geography, so. I think within the UK, you have one-third of the purchasing power in and around London. In Germany, the biggest city, Berlin, is barely 3 million people and pretty much tears off to cities of more closer to 500,000. And even the top five cities together... Yeah, do not make up or maybe are roughly equal to, to what's, what's happening in London. So you have a vastly different uh, setup of the country. Uh, and this is important because we're still targeting in the early days, very urban customer. So we saw that also in the, in the early stages of the launch that our customers were coming from urban centers It also makes it easier when you're scaling up down the line with an offline presence and also on the logistics side.
1: Is there any major difference in in how much a German customer spends per year or the behavior and purchasing patterns versus the UK broadly?
0: So I think overall, all the markets not only follow the very similar trajectory in terms of growth, obviously plus minus differences, we also roughly see similar demographics across the different regions and that leads also to very similar basket sizes purchase patterns and obviously our collection is also a global one so although especially sale seasons were particularly successful in germany you could make the the the, the high sensitivity to discounts of the germans uh, responsible for that but that, that was also Part of our early growth days, and obviously I have not seen the detailed numbers now for, for a few years.
1: And so you was focusing mainly on the, you know, the, the urban millennial woman, or, or even older women as well in in those cities in Germany, similar to the UK?
0: Yeah, definitely. Affluent, I wouldn't even say necessarily just women. Affluent, customer, urban, 30 to 50 years was the most responsive target group uh, initially, yeah.
1: So when you say it's not specifically women, I mean, I think West Wing, they do have a much higher portion of orders from specifically women. So would you say that the customer base is slightly different or the focus is different between West Wing and Made?
0: I cannot speak for West Wing. Uh, obviously, it's it also at that time, West Wing had a very different model. It was exclusively based around an online magazine where you had to subscribe and regularly check in for deals. Yeah? So they particularly addressed a female customer with their sort of daily, weekly deals. I would probably question whether the purchaser behind is necessarily always female. Yeah? So we also, in, in, you know, in, in a setting of the, of the showroom, we always had couples and especially couples that moved into the possibly bought their first house maybe women were more had a more keen interest in the details and had done some existing research up front but I wouldn't say that solely the, the purchasing decision was made on the female side.
1: But, but the target customer is predominantly the same West Wing versus Maid. Is it, is it that same urban couple or, or, or predominantly women that, uh, that you're targeting to actually get into the funnel, you know, to, to explore, to inspire, to, to, to then sell some, some products to eventually.
0: Yeah. I would even go. Above, so our our particular target group was the graduate from IKEA. So anyone that was able to, or was willing, or w- was was tired of just buying Pax and uh, Stuva, probably in the third rental apartment. So even if they don't didn't own uh, their own apartment yet, prices were sufficient or are sufficiently affordable, especially on on some of the accessory side front that gave people the opportunity to, to, to find a different assortment than they're used to from either IKEA or other big box retailers, offline retailers in Germany, which very much
1: character, characterized the, the German market. So how did you plant a position made versus competitors in Germany?
0: I think the key difference was always on the design spectrum. Yeah, So I think overall... You have to deliver a certain a certain quality at within a price level. Although, if you look deeper, average price points, even for for maybe even offline competitors, which are sort of more premium, average or let's say medium price points, seem to be quite similar. And. That has something to do with uh, the, the, the you know global sourcing. There's no more secrets. Nobody really has. I'm probably going a bit too deep already into into the sourcing between Germany and East Asia. But basically, everyone has access to the same sort of producers. So the ultimately, it comes down to differentiation in the brand, and particularly for Made, we were focused on being design led. And that is still, um, a key indicator in all market research, in all marketing materials to be a design led organization. And that is something that transpires through the organization, because if you, if you look at the organization itself, Sourcing and design is very intimately tied together. And that's where we also uh, have the the, the deep relationships with, uh, say, external designers. And for me, that that was the biggest advantage coming into the market where you are faced with, uh, particularly these big box offline retailers that tend to have a huge inventory risk. You know, each of their Individual stores can make, uh, or uh, say a typical IKEA store makes 100 million revenue a year. There's not so much flexibility anymore in terms of taking risks on the assortment. And so that's where the agility of made and a very strong design team was able to take much, much more risks in the assortment
1: and therefore stand out on the design spectrum. How would you say the approach to design is different between made and, and West Wing collection?
0: You're talking about West Wing, the permanent collection. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and specifically the permanent collection, but also just more broadly their approach to design, because I believe that they, you know, West Wing do also claim to hire 200 creatives, design focused, you know, inspiration focused, high quality. Um, but how would you compare the way that made, Approach design or claim to be design led versus relative to West Wing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think if you look at the DNA of the company or where, where the heritage West Wing comes from, this deal first environment where they have to every day, every week, three hundred and sixty five days of the year offer their customers special deals, new basically newness in their assortment, and they were not. Their heritage is not in producing also. And so, the heritage from May.com comes very much from a production standpoint with a permanent collection that gets iterated behind the scenes. So, you will not, as a customer, be so attuned to it. But behind the scene, you know, at a at time when I was there, maybe a quarter of the collection was exchanged. In, in this sort of assortment between three thousand and five thousand SKUs every every quarter, so you s- you you have a gradual transition in newness, but you you might not necessarily always advertise it because the bulk of the revenue comes from sort of uh, uh, an established or proven proven bestseller assortment. This is something that also changed throughout my the time at Mate. Now with the proliferation of West Wing and, and maybe other traditional retailers coming into this, focusing more on, also on this, uh, design led, uh, assortment, the sort of bestseller times when I was there, I definitely could see a reduction in having the lead with a specific unique, um, item. Because obviously patents, if they are there, very hard to enforce and as i mentioned it's quite easy to to get access to producers that can copy designs
1: that's my question though around like so made are design led they clearly come from an upholstery background but everyone uses the same suppliers contract manufacturers everyone can see the top-end high-end designs and what sells and what's 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 on trend Like can how, how do you see west wing from, you know, becoming design-led in their own collection, versus relative to made.
0: So I think if you look probably behind at the if you if you really compare, I always said a sofa has four legs and the rest in the back. So this I come from an e-commerce background. I don't come from a design background. So when I look uh, also at the business, it's something very fluffy, the differentiating factor. But for me, the hardest part to grasp was that we offer an environment. The biggest differentiator is a safe environment with a curated selection. Because actually, when you look at the history of online commerce on uh, furniture, the first iteration focused on the breadth of assortment. They sort of said, we have to have 60,000 to 100,000 SKUs. We have to offer every single brand, every single version, and even to this day, there's Lots of brands that sort of you can customize the color and then the legs. I would say that especially online, especially in furniture, too much choice or there's probably a sweet spot of choice because in the end, you want to drive the customer to a purchase. And that's where really I think with, with made, it's a safe environment. You have ample selection in terms of colors, styles, also prices. But you don't get lost in hundreds of filters of different customization options or too many too many options that might not bring additional real value to the customer and so that's when you look at the conversion rates and then sort of the permanent look and feel of the brand that's something that's quite different to West Wing, which evolves you know even based on their DNA they have to evolve and create newness every single day and it's it's a lot more focused on screaming price reductions and made was a lot more subtle especially one very interesting part was the sort of seasonal sales just sort of in line with the industry but they were not massive reductions because you have this everyday good price policy and really, what was the lever that was we were able to pull was a lot more on the free shipping side. So we never actually removed the, the, the shipping costs in order to have that lever, because that was obviously a very good way to incentivize new customers with this sort of you know, typical online trigger that you need. You come to a website, you know at some point it's going to be a sale, there's going to be some kind of trigger, whether it's newsletter discounts or special sales, and that's, that was always a very good trigger to actually convert people and nudge them into the purchase of software which, which is quite a, a long sales cycle. What
1: do you think made.com does from a design perspective that cannot be replicated by competitors?
0: It's very much the DNA of the organization. As I mentioned, design and purchasing departments traditionally tend to be quite... Separate in this sector, uh, so you would have a possibly also revered designer who, who which is similar to fashion, right? That um, makes the design, then gets a purchasing department, finds the right producers, makes the stuff, looks at the sell-throughs, next season design comes again with new ideas for the season. In made from come from beginning. There was not only a, not only in the organizational structure the intimate sitting together, the accountability being to the head of purchasing, who uh, was a brilliant lady with uh, years and years of exp- decades of experience, and already in the design process thinking about the margin structure and the the the, the feedback from the manufacturing process that can. Enable additional uh, gross margin gains, but not compromise on the design integrity. And I think this kind of quick, uh, sort of, I would say, really say agile design process is quite unique. And that's, that's obviously hard to replicate. Yeah?
1: Why is it so agile?
0: Not only... Yeah, so, so I think if you look at the the, the pillars behind the success of Made.com, it's based on a very much just-in-time delivery uh, supply chain. So you don't have huge inventory risks, and that allows you to weed out products designs that don't work. So you naturally already have the playing field to take more risks because your risks in the purchasing. You will not sit on hundreds of thousands of skews in a warehouse if you don't sell them. So you're much more, more able to be much bolder. And then, although the designers are mentioned, I would say, in, in, in May.com, it's very much everything is attributed to the brand. So you don't, there are, especially in the beginning, there were a few associated designers, um, but everything comes down to the brand and the designers are not really so much put in the spotlight and that also allows the brand to create this sort of uniform message that on top of uh, even more interestingly then can very fluidly transition into the marketing materials so from the beginning marketing design and purchasing sitting together thinking about how to adapt latest season styles and this is something that was very new When obviously this this is now the sort of best practice has transpired and people are adapting these sort of methods similar to how bigger corporates have adapted the you know leaner methods of working um this sort of process has also transpired in, in competitive environments but it comes down ultimately to the business model and the structure of made.com which which allows it to to better implement the, this style of working
1: so how does made source these designers like they're all independent, effectively. They have a portion of salaried designers, from my understanding. And, but most of them run freelance and get paid by royalty. So they're not exclusive to Made in that sense. Well, the, the product might be exclusive. So, you know, what stops them working for West Wing or?
0: No, absolutely not. Uh, I think that there's a few quite business minded designers that know how to sell their, their name to, to various brands. This has also evolved now. When I was there, there were a few key pillars in the success of May.com that were not really well-known to start with. Yeah? So these designers also grew together with May.com, and they were also appreciative of this. Ultimately, if you look behind the hood, though, the designers that are brand names themselves and licensed to made, I would say make up an insignificant part of the sales because the, the bulk comes from the in-house team you know, who, who are not so that they collaborate also very with, with this extended working bench, but they very much develop the product in-house and are able to imprint the mate design language on top of these external designers. Right?
1: I think they've reported in their perspectives that 33% of SKUs are actually made by in-house designers. So you know, a decent portion, but there does seem to be a lot of reliance on external designers for collaboration ideas and yeah, and, and input to the, to new products. Yeah. And I mean, it would be
0: interesting to see whether, but not only how much is made by in-house, because I would posit also that maybe the in-house products are the ones that drive.
1: Sell the most. Yeah, exactly. For sure.
0: possibly with the highest margin. So if you look at absolute contribution margin, I would say the permanent collection. When we go back to that model, this has also changed with scale, periodically weeding out things that do not sell. You tend to bring in things into the permanent collection where you can also drive margin. And and obviously there, the licensing costs are optimized if it's done by the in-house team. And so over the long-term the permanent collection, I think, uh, in-house.
1: It's also a good way to, to experiment and test, right? You can use you can use third party designers to to get new new ideas and, and do small batch production to test the the adoption and then iterate further with in-house and similar products and actually own the full IP <laughs> in the long run. And I really think that
0: that is the model when I was at mate.com. It's inspired not only by fashion trends, by other designers, but obviously with with a sort of extended workbench of designers, but ultimately the work. And and if you look at made.com, it's very much the brand, the product is prominent. It's not designer names. If you look in IKEA now, they try to position certain design-led parts of their assortment, try to distinguish them from their permanent collection in order to to maybe bring more foot traffic but made.com is driven by its own uh, sort of in-house manufacturing agile design uh, process
1: yeah. so how does it work like so let's say obviously made.com collect a lot of data they have creative people internally so they come to if are external designers or internal with ideas, they would then spec out a product. How does the process go in, in, in product development between design and, and production?
0: Yeah, I mean, so, uh, you know, we typically think in, in sort of quarters, and again, it's led by business. Yeah, So there's certain margin goals, obviously, then goals to, to, for, or, that's where the, the secret sauce also comes, uh, balancing the manufacturing of the inventory and the for- forecasting. Yeah, So based on quarter objectives, marketing spends, you need to plan the higher level budgets of the inventory. Then you split it out into the different categories across the different countries. You look at sell-through of things that maybe didn't work so much. And then there's different look-aheads into, into design trends, also geared very much by fashion. And then based on, on these, we'll, we'll probably launch several new collections. I mean, one initiative was also the Talent Lab, where even amateur designers were able to contribute ideas. And that ultimately was turned into, into well-selling items. And then very much the designer and the, the purchasers sit together and iterate and very much think already on on with the CAD drawings and then start to talk with the manufacturing partner about materials, availability, pricing. And that's what I mean with the iterative process. So already when you're looking at the construct, the in-house team will have very much a business mind on it. So you might get the, the design inspiration comes from fashion competition designers, but then very much... Uh, in the in the process of creating, uh, make, making this product, these collections come to life. You very quickly talk to the manufacturers, start looking at the materials involved, and, and maybe any roadblocks. Also, when it comes to packaging, yeah? how can you best put this in a, in a sustainable packaging that is ships well across uh, oceans? Yeah?
1: Do you think there's any risk in designers not willing to work with made? in the future
0: i absolutely do not think so it's it's a highly fragmented i mean it's still fundamentally a big problem of the industry that these creators designers have a very tough career path because after maybe even studying at some of the most more renowned design colleges uh, in london you have to really even if you make your own name it's very hard to make make money with your own name there's very few that stand out and are these sort of also business-minded designers that are able to, to 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 license well so i think that on the supply side there's probably more more than needed talent now and the inspiration especially from collaboration potentials is is ample so that is definitely not a constraining factor
1: do they have bargaining power could they demand higher royalties or or, or, or larger fees? I think that the, the terms are... It was different in the
0: beginning when MADE really grew with a few handful of designers and maybe they had some preferred terms. I think now all the terms are pretty standard and probably pretty industry standard terms. But that is something that I'm, I'm also not too privy. Uh, that, that part of the business was not
1: my... My responsibility. Just more broadly, though, is there, you know, when you we talk about made being design-led, and you know it's clearly a differentiating factor in the industry. Like, is there any risk in your mind of of how made could lose their design edge versus West Wing or competitors?
0: That is always a possibility. I mean that. Um forward thinking i mean a hundred brands have died (laughs) on the on the on the streets of oxford so yeah for sure a good product
1: which is standing out but what could be the reason for that like what what if we look back in five ten years and and made just doesn't have an edge anymore in design or you know there's loads of other competitors that have a similar strategy of of being design led. Like what, what is the real differentiator in the long run?
0: I think probably going the other way around and looking at what, what could be ruling out factors. Yeah. So I think on the one hand, I don't see or I haven't seen many new entrants in this area. Yeah? So there are competitors, there are traditional brands that are maybe looking to poach some of the talent, but there's not new not new entrants. I think the work environment is something that's uh, also very, very special for people. Again, as I mentioned to you, this agile process of designing, being very much free to take certain risks is something that you cannot do. So even if you were to go to a John Lewis, you have a completely different organizational structure and requirements, maybe also standing within the company. So I think... While while it's still growing and yeah, then probably comes with, with size also. I think once you're a billion dollar once once made will make a billion uh, pounds a year, a lot of things will have to be uh, rethought, right? So everything from the supply chain to the design process, because maybe it's not so possible, not not as easy anymore to quickly weed out new designs that don't work. And a lot more importance will have to come from permanent or have a much more. I think possibly I'm not privy to anything that's not public, but, you know, that's possibly um, one of the reasons for the launch of the marketplace that actually made.com. So when you look at West Wing and made.com, they're coming from two different ends of the uh, two different business models. And they're both going towards each other's business model. So whereas MADE is looking to launch a marketplace, uh, West Wing has already transitioned in much more into a permanent collection. And then the question is, what is the harder one to replicate? Is it harder for West Wing to sort of replicate the design process of MADE.com? Or is it harder for MADE.com to work on on a marketplace model where you're working with a lot more third-party
1: brands? And also aggregating the demand, like West Wing, you know, I think which it just seems like they have eighty-five percent of their sales are from customers that have that visit them a hundred times a year. So, if West Wing could replicate the design process and quality of products, plus if they own the customer relationship more, would that not potentially pose a threat to made? In Germany and Europe?
0: I mean, first of all, I think the market, if you look at the total market, this is roughly studied somewhere, 40 billion euros. The market share of both these places is still insignificant. So I wouldn't even talk about direct competition. It's quite a different business model. As I said, I think there's so many different possibilities for both of these to grow in various directions i would not uh, would not even think too much about direct competition at this point so i think there's a bigger threat maybe from traditional retailers uh, waking up now and maybe picking up on some of the well-selling pieces uh, designs it's something that i've definitely seen so whereas we used to have maybe when we brought new products to market we could have nobody replicated for good two years. And now you see a bestseller because people screen each other's websites. So, so obviously you can use tools to, and naturally people place also things on top of the site that tend to be good sellers. So if you look at your competition, everything starts, and that's a problem in retail generally, everything starts to look a lot more the same for bigger brands.
1: Um, Well, just think that's the risk, though. I mean, with with the likes of Wayfair and and these companies, Ikea, that can come to market much quicker. I mean, I think Maid's lead time is, you know, months, you know, relative to what, I guess, Wayfair could... To bring to market with
0: So I think that's probably the bigger threat is product or, or platforms maybe that offer better service quality all around. So either with their own last mile delivery, such as Wayfair and possibly Amazon at some point, I think the much bigger threat is platforms that are able to support a very capital intensive part of the value chain, which is the last mile delivery and offer shorter lead times by uh, storing higher levels of inventory, probably a higher threat to the conversion rates of of more uh, lean models. And obviously there's very few that can deliver on this promise. Wayfair is one, Amazon is another one that could provide a platform for independent brands, other brands with very good design capabilities to offer very competitive Products. Yeah, but again, that difference is that within these environments, you have to very much comparison shop. Right? You have to select between thousands of SKUs. Whereas within a sort of captive place like Westwing or Made.com, you are yeah, you're in a safe place where where it's easier to choose your
1: product. Also, how you know, back to, back to your point on on Made launching third-party brands or you call it the marketplace. What do you see as the main challenges of Made.com integrating third-party products into their offering?
0: Yeah, I mean, number one is the the, the, the cost structure. Yeah? So how to deal with this new cost structure and, and incentivization and the impact on, on retail prices.
1: What do you mean cost structure? You mean you mean logistics or, or you mean the inventory?
0: Yeah, so Made.com very much, uh, you know, when I was there, we were able to, to gain... gross margin, quarter on quarter, year over year aggressively, which is something that big players cannot do by moving production, possibly from China to Vietnam, from Vietnam to Indonesia, and back and forth. I think that's once you work with um, external parties, I think it's much harder to negotiate year over year gross margins, right? And then the other part is that uniform design language that uh, that I very much uh, made.com has created for its brand. And I am very excited to see how, how that will integrate external providers, whether that is done in a very prominent way or in a very subtle way. So like
1: similar to Wayfair potentially where they have their kind of house of brands that are actually third party producers and suppliers
0: I mean it's, it's uh, I mean the, the, the most prominent example is probably Amazon right I mean very few people will know that Amazon makes its own uh, furniture and they will position it obviously with, with different names so there remains to be seen how, how that uh, model translates into the brand promise huh? and whether that's very much uh, done similar to how West Wing very much separates the two.
1: Hmm. Well, and i guess maybe we'll just run a simple drop shipping service where you know practically just a marketplace for lead generation and the the, the supplier ships the product to the to the end customer.
0: Yeah, I mean that's something that's definitely evolved at Made.com. With I think that's also public uh, new feeder operations in, in in Europe. So I think that part there's definitely some expertise that Made can share with its market providers and probably adapt also based on on requirements from these brands. Whether they have their own warehouses and plug them in, sort of infuse them in the because. Made very much has a flexibility of working with multiple third party providers in each of the different countries and whether you want to inject before the last mile, whether you want to inject in a sort of feeder operations for all of Europe or UK, which is now completely separate. That's also a big advantage now with Brexit. For European, uh, Italian designers that want to sell in the UK, I think made.com could be well placed. Also to offer operational support when it comes to import. But there again, there is, is a lot more flexibility, but I I have no no privileged information on how that marketplace operation will look like.
1: And just back to your point, like it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Made do this whilst also keeping the brand promise which they've spent so long building up you know which is this design-led kind of all one house brand as you browse and, and view their products
0: yeah absolutely so design price quality uh, sort of the three brand measurements
1: First of, when you look at this like evolving it's interesting to see how the assortments are like you said converging and you've got made coming from the called the premium or design-led and down slightly to third-party marketplace to expand expand the range. West Wing, you know, evolving from this everyday inspirational sales-driven kind of method, third-party led to now of West Wing collection, and obviously Wayfair is, is gone for the service-led and you know, and also just the integration of suppliers. Like, what's the end game here? Like, what's the end game between yeah, obviously Wayfair can own the service-led, call it the mass market approach, but when you have two smaller players like West Wing, MAID, typically competing for similar customers. Obviously it's a massive market, but like how do you see these two assortments evolving between West Wing and Made?
0: I think it's not even between West Wing and Made. I think the, the the bigger and there's a lot of talk about new technology, augmented reality, tools. I think that's that's incremental. I think a big step change in the game for online furniture will be anybody that seriously solves the last mile delivery and service promise, which is something that Wayfair can very well do. They could very well offer their services to smaller independent brands, become sort of the Shopify for for furniture designers. That could really flip the whole thing on its head because all of a sudden you could create your own lamps in Italy, store them in a third-party fulfillment center, and get them delivered with Wayfair. By Wayfair, right? By marketplace operations. And I've seen a few of these uh, smaller operations that tend to they, they grow through marketplaces. So by the, traditionally, they start on Amazon, Home24, might might possibly open up at some point
1: this is what wayfair is doing though right it's basically becoming the the, the amazon of, of of furniture effectively
0: exactly and 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 you know there's this other uh, they could do this also in the background offering logistic services and and just owning the whole operation very much being the service delivery person for Similarly, there's a player in, in, in the UK that's done this very well for brown goods, right? And whoever uh, does that will allow smaller independent producers to thrive and that could be a massive threat or could be an opportunity to to collaborate with uh, West Wing. I don't know if West Wing is big enough to do this on their, on their own.
1: They're experimenting with the last mile, but yeah, it's, it's I mean, wait for... It's exactly it's completely different but so how do you think this could let's, let's say let's just hypothesize and, and the end game you know wayfair is is becoming the amazon of, of furniture they're in germany all across europe in the u.s offering third-party logistics only the last mile like, where does this leave a company like made yeah probably i mean uh, if you look at the
0: opportunities one piece that's that's been quite useful for driving conversion is the offline presence, you know, and that brings a closer relationship with the customers. Again, when you look at IKEA just acquired uh, the the store of Primark, I think, on on Oxford Street. There's definitely, with the emptying emptying out of, of, of big high streets, there's an opportunity to go back offline, create an environment for customers to... Yeah, in the end, it's furniture. You have to, although you can buy it off uh, online, similar to shoes. It's always quite good to to try it out and to feel the environment. And I think that's something that Made.com has done very well because the showrooms they're not uh, click and collect. You could very well offer click and collect, and more importantly, it's it's a, it's an environment that where you can. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's beds, it's sofas, it's chairs, it's inspiring. You can offer so many other things to inspire people to, to spend their weekends or or a few hours after work. And that comes again to the brand experience. So wh- however they do it, I think they do, it has to be the brand that tells a convincing story, that compellingly engage the customer which is something that a wafer will never be able to do. Wafer will always be able to, or or Amazon, you know, even when people hate Amazon for what it is, for who's behind it, they will still purchase based on convenience and price.
1: How could that change for furniture, for example? Like you said, if if wafer does become that, they aggregate demand. Every consumer will check wafer because of the convenience.
0: Yeah, voila. Yeah, and then you might, you know, you might, you might very well see something. It takes eyeballs away from Made, right? It takes, it takes share away. I think it's it's now more more than fifty percent e-commerce searches
1: start on Amazon in the US than Google. If you get the same for Wayfair, like what it really comes down to the brand equity and the the ability for Made to attract eyeballs to their own site and convert. You know, because if I go on Wayfair and I see something that's a similar design is made because everyone uses the same producers, the same design. So it's a risk of me converting that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, that comes
0: back to being in an environment where you feel it's safe to buy something and maybe you have loyalty, loyalty to the brand. But yeah, if the if the difference is 10 weeks in lead time, then you will very well, uh, and, and 10, 20% in price, then you will very well think about that.
1: How do you look at West Wing where they have this daily interaction with customers that potentially builds a brand and more relationship.
0: It's always uh, more cost-effective to have earned media, to have your own media channel where you don't have to spend money to attract eyeballs. I don't necessarily think that that creates so much loyalty. And again, it's still such a small part of the, the bigger pie. It'll be more interesting to see who will be a real contender for IKEA. I think at some point um, that might come. What do you think that could be? At the moment, it's hard to say. So, I think the problem. So, I think the opportunity is that all the capital has kind of so new venture capital has moved out of that field because it's too capital intensive. It's uh, taken quite a lot of time for people to exit, and then you know valuations are not so attractive. So now, as is a bit of a the eyes are off the price. I think it's a great opportunity for the right people with deep pockets to do some kind of roll-up strategies and, and collaborate and possibly also bring new... new. I mean, we've seen the trend in aggregation of Amazon brands, yeah? marketplace seller brands that are being bought up and that there's been more than or nearly $10 billion uh, raised in the last 12 months for the new... PNG or a new Unilever. And somebody might very well come and buy up or offer... Isn't this kind of
1: what, what, what Wayfair is potentially trying to do, where they like have you know, no inventory risk, it's practically a freight forwarder and, and offer a wide, wide selection? of
0: Yeah, but it's very different to being an operator of a design brand and being a service... I think Wayfair is very much a service provider. I think you very well can probably create an interesting portfolio of design led brands under one roof and uh, distribute them through the availing available platforms
1: so just on, on wafer like how how have you seen wafer enter Germany over the last few years and how do you see that impacting the industry
0: yeah to be honest wafer when I was still operating wafer had dipped their toes spent a lot of money then retracted again and now they've now they're here to stay. It's, it's very hard to say from an outsider perspective. Too early. It's too early. If you look at market shares, it's too early to tell, I would say.
1: And so just look at the source of the manufacturing. How is that it made work with contract manufacturers then? So they got this design, they had this agile approach internally. What is the type of volume commitments they make or the production schedule they work on with, with, with contract manufacturers in the Far East?
0: I mean, that will definitely... Uh, First of all, I'm not too deep into this topic. Second of all, that will surely have changed over time. I think the associations are quite loose. So there are offices now in in several countries in Southeast Asia, and they will have on the ground contact with these designers. But the product development process is probably, if 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 you've ever been to China, and and been to any of these markets, it's much less sexy than it seems from the outside.
1: Why is the lead time so long? It
0: ultimately comes down to inventory risk. So lead times could be massively reduced if more inventory was taken on. I think with scaling, now there's been significant investments made in warehousing on both the UK and continental Europe. So it's about warehousing capacity because you want to... Have a good throughput. But obviously, if there's any significant change in sell through, yeah, some temperatures or COVID, uh, and you all of a sudden have inventory piling up in the warehouse, old inventory, you cannot bring new inventory in. If you have fixed cap- capacities, that's quite hard. So I think that, and that takes quite a bit of time to change. Especially when you're scaling up. So I think both I mean we've talked about West Wing and Maid. Uh, both of these players are sort of past the inflection point where it where, where, where it could go wrong, but still probably a few yards before it's really seamlessly working.
1: So they're gonna take more they kind of have to take more inventory risk now to Reduce those lead times, especially for made.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So once you have that um, investment, that uh, investment in infrastructure and warehousing that amortizes, you give up a bit of your flexibility in terms of you take bigger risks on inventory, but definitely can keep better, better customer promises. Yeah.
1: They released some stats that I found pretty interesting, which was I think. something like around 60% of product is pre-sold or, you know, with a huge portion sold in transit. So like, is that the, is the idea to get the designs, small batches, you know, almost use the studio production facilities in Vietnam, in the far East to get the imagery up on the front
0: end and then kind of. Yeah, that is the, the that is really a competitive advantage having also the design marketing on the ground, being able to sell the product before it arrives in a port to get that capital efficiency you know with that strong net uh, negative working capital
1: don't the suppliers want a certain volume like i'm not i'm not going to produce like one or two of these things for for, for me right if i'm a supplier if i'm a big supplier i like, you have to commit to some to, to a certain volume
0: there's a secret sauce that with these volumes and and you know strategic allocations between different uh, suppliers their risk, risk can be significantly reduced and even across different countries.
1: So it's managing that supply and demand and put the imagery up as quick as possible, getting the, getting the orders in and, and managing the schedule with the supplier.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then it comes down to weighing off the risk of quality control and you know sort of safety with onboarding new suppliers. But that's probably far... Far too, too far off my expertise to talk authoritatively about.
1: But it's interesting because it seems like you know, if you're a relatively small design-led sh- store, you, know, you can kind of run that model for a certain period of time. But as you sa- as you get to a billion dollars in revenue, you need to take more inventory risk and, and give a better service level to the customer. You can't be having a billion dollars of revenue wait five months for product. So it almost changes the business completely in terms of how it's run and the risk involved.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the supply chain glut uh, definitely raises questions about production opportunities in Europe as you get into expansion of the assortment. It's also, I mean, introduction of higher margin accessories maybe f- could be quite interesting and source that from, from Europe whilst sort of leaving the staple sofas uh, Far
1: East. Who knows? On the customer behavior, like what is the typical flow of customers in terms of ordering patterns? So, do they typically buy once or twice a year? Like, what's the what's the typical evolution of a of a customer's buying pattern?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think naturally, uh, I think the statistics I remember is something: customer comes back every five years on average. Huh? So. But then you have to look at different cohorts. So do people? You have the probably the the cohorts that buy maybe lamps, accessories, and those bigger baskets. So it's still average baskets are quite similar. You know across all these, it averages out somewhere in the middle. You know it's not five thousand, it's not one hundred, but it's somewhere three to five
1: hundred. Made out, gross up which like. To, you know, to 287 for europe last year 310 for 310 for uk which is nearly double or over double what west winds is
0: yeah so so you have a much higher portion of of bigger items and you know that's something that made launched already a few years ago going into expansion of the assortment to stimulate also that repeat purchase behavior and there's probably a lot more room in there, maybe even to 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 onboard with the marketplace
1: accessories and homewares.
0: Yeah, because if you look at the DNA, made really comes from that sort of staple goods. Are they really well placed to do maybe home electronics or decor stuff? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, this then you get into all kinds of possibility for experiment whether it's wallpaper
1: paint well, and that drives the that seems to drive the higher order frequency right where it's not a big purchase like a sofa every every year yeah but can be
0: also very interesting especially combined with a click and collect model for offline stores high margin accessories to take away could be also one way to, to stimulate that customer engagement if if you have a piece of made at home I mean, that's that's something I learned uh, very early on with when I was at hem.com. We were selling these very high-priced wooden birds made by a famous designer. And these things were flying off the shelf because everyone just wanted to have a piece of this designer in their house. And if you can create this, you know, Hay, hay does this very well. And Hay is, is I think 80% is all accessories. So it's a furniture brand, but they mostly live off their are stores placed in very well-placed locations in, in cool cities where people will just earn, and Nobody will leave. Nobody will leave without buying something because it's a bit
1: like the museum store. How did you think of reactivating customers? And you mentioned everyone, every customer comes back on average every five years. Like, What was the strategy to, to – how much did you spend to re-engage that, reactivate that customer?
0: Yeah, I mean, still very much based on the strategy of creating a wider assortment that maybe allows people to re-engage with the brand. So we had quite a good email list, but not amazing. I think the organic following and all the social channels by now is is huge. We had a lot of success with micro-influencer and local influencing, so creating uh, also, in a very blunt way, probably looking a bit more in, in sort of this West Wing engagement model where creating stories to re engage the home stories, for example, visiting customers in their houses
1: together with designers. What does West Wing do so well with that, con- with their content strategy?
0: I think they just started early. As everything online, if you have a new channel, if you're the first one in the channel with less competition, it's cheaper and easier when you say if, if West Wing were to start all over again now it's not because of their capabilities they could reproduce the model it's just they were very all, early on in the game and there's a lot more it's, it's the attention economy now so uh, whether it's TikTok or but they
1: have something unique it seems right with the engagement they have and the natural flow of daily newsletter and inspiration yeah
0: because they have this bulk of uh, interested you yeah, it's 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 in the end, it's a magazine that's it's in, it's a magazine. It's like the part owner a publishing house. So maybe to replicate it, you could, you could probably think about uh, some of these art uh, decor magazines and uh, maybe buy one of them and, and, and
1: this way gain access to this kind of model. How important do you think that is in the long run for West Wing?
0: Yeah, Again, uh, it comes down to the strategy, which is now focused on increasing the profitability, which comes down to a permanent collection. So it will continue to be part of the DNA, but it's. I would also posit that it's not growing very aggressively anymore. It will become part of the marketing mix that they earned now. So it's, it's a slice of the pie that they've earned, but um, that, that's about it also. We're
1: going to have a good collection now to, to drive commerce. From that, from the eyeballs on their daily themes. So just last couple of questions on, on kind of how you looked at the business when you was managing it. So you know, the one thing I'm always trying to look at and it kind of annoys me with these furniture companies is they always, they always report a repeat rate, which isn't truly a cohort based repeat purchase. So it's kind of like any customer that has ever purchased from Wayfair and they purchased again in, in whatever year they're a repeat customer. So. When you was there, did you look on specifically trying to get people to repeat year after year, or was you really just looking at reactivating the whole customer base you had? Like how did you think about driving repeat ordering? Yeah, I mean,
0: my perspective again, that that repeat business, very much driven through the assortment. In the end, if you look at the market share and the the model, the growth rate where it still is, to be honest, it's all about acquiring new customers. So there's sufficient People coming, graduating from Ikea, people transitioning from other. It's about putting people in the first part of the funnel. And then the rest of the... Obviously, there, there's tactics, whether it's triggers and emails, newsletters. But the brand has to do that. It's about acquiring new cohorts, being first order level profitable, creating a good environment. And I think probably... Higher potential to create satisfied customers and repeat purchase or new customers with with more investment in in customer care, creating word of mouth and
1: and just having happier customers to to come back. And last question, I mean, how do you see if we look back in, say, 10 years time and made.com hasn't grown in Germany much further, like what could be the potential reason?
0: I think it comes down to having fresh, new design-led product. Yeah. So as with any brand, it rests with their... Um, they still have to bring out... You, they, they cannot rest on the laurels. Right? So maybe also you probably have to calculate some kind of lead time before evergreens start tailing off, but have to reinvent sort of the, the, the incoming funnel in order to re-engage. And then maybe step changes in. Uh, I think they were, they were. probably. I think the worst worst outcome is probably a slow slow growth stagnation. In the best case, they really are able to to to, to re, reignite the brand, and refresh it every couple of years. Look at new with the marketplace is an opportunity. Better service is an opportunity new splash in i think probably the marketing efficiency works quite well i think it's it's probably looking at step changes that can be made with with re-refreshing re, the brand with
1: new initiatives. they spend quite a lot of marketing around 20 percent of revenue versus obviously west west wing's much lower
0: yeah you know, in such like a high growth market that probably you probably want to continue doing that huh?